Team USA bounces back last night. They got a 28-point win over Argentina. And I still think that we should be concerned about what happened the two games before this one, about the loss to Nigeria, who, by the way, I'm pretty sure back, what, in 2012 in the Olympics, uh, Team USA took out Nigeria by like 80-something points. Um, and then when they played again, I think it was in the 2016 Olympics or in an exhibition around that time, uh, they won by like 40 or 50. So just absolute dominant performances by Team USA against Nigeria in the past, and they go and lose. And I know this isn't the same team that we've had in the past. Like, I mean, we were lining up, I think in 2012, you had what LeBron Durant, Kobe, I think Mello was still in there. Uh, so just a ridiculous lineup. Uh, it's not the same, but it's by far the best group of talent in, in the world still. Like, it's not like there's another team that's, that's, you can say it's like, okay, that team's more talented than team USA. That's not the case. Um, so it was still shocking that they dropped two exhibition losses in a row. And I think that's the biggest thing at this point. And, and they, it's gotta be a quick turnaround here because we got the Olympics starting and I don't know when the basketball tournament starts, but the Olympic itself, I think the opening ceremony is what on the 23rd of July. So they, they have to turn things around. It looks like they're doing, they did that kind of against Argentina. Like I said, a 28 point win, but in, so basically since, um, 1992 when professionals started playing and the, the whole dream team and all that USA was 54 and two in exhibitions. And then within the last, you know, week, they've lost they've doubled their loss total so it's just yeah it's it's completely unfamiliar of course to see this happen and like i said i i still like there should still be a high level of concern this this win against argentina from last night shouldn't be like oh okay everything's back to normal now i think there's still um an issue because you have issues with with size and and rebounding ability um, on the team. I think the technically the tallest. I mean, Kevin Durant could be the tallest player on that team. I don't know if he's listed at that because I think he's actually listed shorter than he actually is. But um, to have like I think that our tallest pure center or I guess pure power forward on that team is Bam Adebayo, who's like six nine six ten. So there's not really a dominant big man presence. And I mean, um, yeah, Australia, I mean, torched uh, the United States with, with their ability to pass it um, into the lane there, get easy two-point baskets that way. And on the other hand, Nigeria burned them. They were just unbelievable from the three-point line. And it makes you kind of want a player like Steph Curry on there. going to shoot the lights out. Uh, but he's he's not doing that. He's just taking some time off, getting healthy, and all that. And that's the issue too: is that it's a it's a weird period, especially because of COVID. So you had in March of 2020, you had the the whole pandemic scare that was with Rudy Gobert, touched the microphones, ended up testing positive. Sports that was when 
everything started to fall was that night of March. I believe it was March 12th. And then things kept going that way with more and more cancellations. So you go through that pandemic break, they go into the bubble in Orlando and they finish the season. What? Like October, November. It was definitely the fall. And it's a quick turnaround for this NBA season, which extends what typically would be a early june finish of the nba season and now you're finishing it in geez we could be going till let's see we got game four coming up tonight so july 14th i mean yeah we're looking at like basically a finish to where you're gonna have the olympians who are currently playing in the nba finals just basically traveling to tokyo at this point i don't think they're gonna be meeting meeting the team stateside but yeah anyway a mid june a uh, mid-july finish so that's a difference of at least six weeks and so it makes sense that you know you have like players like lebron james who dealt with injury a player like anthony davis who was dealing with injury um steph curry as well i guess um you have those guys not wanting to participate because it's just way too much basketball and way too much on their bodies their knees and all that so USA is in a situation to where they're they're probably not as strong as they they could be, but they're still, like I said, the strongest team uh, going in the world right now. And you know, you much rather have them be losing these games in an exhibition to when it really doesn't count. That they aren't going for the gold medal right now, of course. So I would think, and and they in in the group in the group. So if we're looking actually at the olympic group coming up they played the czech republic who barely got in they actually had a very good win against canada in qualifying and then they took out a rick patino uh, coached uh, greek team obviously without Giannis antetokounmpo because antetokounmpo is playing in the nba finals right now and then you have iran so iran and czech republic should be two easy victories in that group france could be interesting just because of rudy gobert but it's like it's the same thing with Gobert in the NBA. If you make him come outside of the interior of the floor and make him go more towards the perimeter, that's when he gets uncomfortable defensively. Granted, he is a great defensive player. I think did he win defensive player of the year this year? I'm not exact I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, if you bring him out, that's when he's the weakest defensively, and you're able to blow by him, um, get him uncomfortable, trying to navigate defending a player out there um so that that is i would say that would be concerning and obviously gobert has a very good rebounding ability uh but it's it's not as concerning as um someone may think it is so the usa have have has a pretty favorable group they're avoiding australia avoiding nigeria both of those teams are in group b um and then you have like teams like Argentina and Spain, they're in they're in Group C. Luka Doncic and Slovenia, they're in Group C. So they're not going to see each other until the the um, it would be the knockout round, which I can't remember how many teams how many teams get in. Could be just the winners and then one more, or if the, I don't, I'm not sure if they do eight. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so um, it. Okay, so it is a quarterfinal. Okay, so the top eight teams, I guess, go through out of the 12 after the group stages. So, yeah, so it, it, 
like I don't see any problems happening until maybe the semifinals. Um, and and yeah, so I, I think the United States is going to keep getting better, keep building that team chemistry. And I'm like I said, I'm not overly concerned, but it it's not it's not nice to see <laughs> to see USA drop two games in a row after they only dropped to the pre in exhibitions they only dropped two in the previous how many years is that almost 30 years so um but yeah i'm I'm still very confident because i know they're the best roster but um it's just a matter of can their chemistry uh, catch up quick enough um when these important games happen at the olympics so this is kind of i guess well older news and especially today's age when everybody's on everything and it's just the quickest to the punch, all that. But I still wanted to touch on the, uh, the, the Stanley cup um, damage that occurred during the Tampa Bay lightning celebration. And I believe it was the actual cups, the top of the trophy that got dented in on one side. So it was, it's not a, not a nice perfect circle anymore. Um, More of an, more of an arc. At this point, looks like a three-point line on a court. But uh, anyway, so that's gonna get repaired and then get back to the festivities of, of. I think every single player spends a day with a trophy and stuff like that as we go along in the off season. Uh, so, so that'll happen. So, but anyway, but first it has to go to Canada, it has to go to Montreal to get repaired. And here is my theory on on this. Uh, I think potentially potentially that this could have been done on purpose to even rub it in more for because I, I don't know if video evidence ever came out so they could have just straight up dropped the tro- trophy and I'm, I'm talking nonsense right now but they could have purposely damaged the trophy to send it back to montreal and 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 i'll remind you that the lightning did beat the montreal canadians in five games in the stanley cup finals as a reminder to the canadians like hey we just we won this cup we're celebrating it you know we're just gonna we're gonna have you see it one last time even though you are already seeing us celebrate with it Um, but we're gonna bring it to your doorstep have it get repaired and then bring it back to us just to just to rub it in even more and this is after Nikita Kucherov is wearing a shirt that says 18 million over a salary cap. And that was a big kind of concern and issue of, of fairness, I guess, when it comes to constructing a roster because Kucherov, who delayed his surgery during the season, um, wasn't playing for the lightning at all. You had Steven Stamkos who was also injured, but the thing that happened when those players returned for the Stanley cup finals is that it didn't go against their cap number. So they were technically playing $18 million over the cap. And that's why people are like, how are they doing this? What's going on? And it's just the way the NHL rules are with salary caps and how injured players who return for the playoffs, I guess it doesn't count or whatever. It doesn't, it's not a penalty against their, their cap number. So, so that happened to where you have Kucherov, who is probably one of the better players in the NHL. Um, 
he was playing <laughs> he was back playing for the team just for the playoffs and and now he was rubbing that in joking around on a shirt on uh, with with the shirt saying you know 18 million over the cap and um the, the, just in general like i think it was the 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 post game after they won the same night he's out there just at the podium at the of of getting media interviews all that uh shirtless the cup is on the table just living his best life probably drinking a beer at the time too um so so yeah there that's i mean i think a stanley cup celebration has to be one of the the best celebrations i know people are remembering the the tom brady super bowl throw from the boats and what what all all that happened in tampa bay um so maybe it's just a trend in that city, but I think hockey celebrations are even are even better than that. But anyway, so Stanley Cup has to go to Montreal just to rub it a little bit more with the with hockey fans and Canadian fans, and then it'll come back to Tampa, and they'll just keep on partying until they'll show up to training camp drunk still somehow. Um, that's how much partying they'll do. But uh, yeah, it'll be back in the Tampa Bay Lightning's hands soon so let me just uh, kind of sum up what happened for mlb all-star i guess week or the two the two days that things occurred but you had the home run derby and i was i took the risky thing i was like i was feeling trevor story because hometown course field why not i mean he won he pulled the upset over Joey Gallo in the first round, but he did not show up for the um, the second round against Trey Mancini of the Baltimore Orioles, and that, and that's fine or whatever. And I think the thing that kind of told me that I was screwed is that they showed the the average um, ball. I think it was ball speed of of their of the participants' home runs that that were yeah in the competition and trevor story had the worst of the of the hitters for their home runs on the season and it was like at 103 miles per hour i think shohei otani who actually lost in the first round had like a speed of 109 and then you had a bunch of other guys who were at like 106 107 so that was a little concerning too as we were heading into the festivities um but I also did have Pete Alonzo as a finalist, and I probably should have just picked him just because he was a defending champion. He loves to do that. I actually heard a stat that Pete Alonzo, because he's still on his like rookie deal or his like first deal in the league, um, he's only made I think one point five million dollars the last two seasons, and or so far, and. Um, he he's made two million dollars just on on home run derby winnings um so that's just kind of funny how in two nights in the last two years or or i guess technically last three years because the home the last home run derby happened in 2019 but uh yeah so two nights alonzo makes two million dollars and then over like two or three seasons he only makes 1.5 that's just kind of funny to me um but yeah alonzo just like loves to put on a show listening to his favorite music during the home run derby getting in a groove just absolutely bashing baseballs i'm pretty sure you had some baseballs travel like 520 plus feet just ridiculous i mean that that was kind of fitting because you know 
at they're at they're in Colorado, so at mile high. Um, obviously, the the altitude is playing a, f- a factor there for sure, making the balls travel a little bit farther. So yeah, it was just a really fun home run derby to watch. And obviously, when you have like the time rounds to where it is just rapid fire home run after home run to try to get the highest total, um, it's 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 a super cool thing. I was you know when that. F- format first happened i was definitely skeptical like okay, I, I did like the traditional thing to when they're just like throwing pitches you can take your time or whatever and then hit like a really good one um but this is like like rapid like it is keeping you attached to the screen the entire time because it is home run after home run like i said um but yeah so pete alonso gets ends up getting the one over trey mancini and um yeah, so we'll see how we'll have to see maybe next season he goes for the three peat. Um, but right now, back to back champion in the home run derby. And if we're going to last night, Tuesday night was the all star game. The American League, I think they've won like eight all star games in a row over the National League. They win again five to two. And MVP Vlad, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which is super cool because on the Toronto Blue Jays working for the team right now get to see him in buffalo every single home game that that was that's pretty cool that we have that star power right now i mean you also had uh who else i think bo bichette was in there uh teoscar hernandez who had i think he had a hit um and then uh simian who also had i think he had an rbi so that's so Blue Jays responsible for three of the five runs for the American League. Not too bad. Um, Shohei Otani, just like an absolute spectacle. I think he's one of those players that we need to really take like seriously and appreciate what this guy's doing. Like this is like so old fashioned. Like we never see a player pitch and bat anymore in the same game like this is like the last person who was this good at doing both was babe ruth and he babe ruth might have been the only guy who was like super good at doing both like post 1899 you know like um so yeah it's it's just ridiculous what otani did participate in the home run derby and almost advanced to the next round but um What's his name? Um, Juan Soto of the of the Nationals uh, just was able to match what he was doing and ended up winning in like the the tiebreaker for it to where you had like only three swings. Uh, Soto hit was three for three on those, but uh, but anyway, so he had Otani do that on Monday, and he comes out hit does a one two three inning in the first inning of the All Star game. Goes up to bat. I think he was he was over two, but still, like he he did so much during these past two days. Um, and then he'll obviously go back to the Angels and get ready for the second half. Um, let's see. Do I want to do any second half stuff now? Now probably will do that. Like I don't know whenever I do a podcast next. So Roger Federer is deciding because of his um i i think it was lingering issues with his knee post-surgery hold on let me get the exact wording here i can find it but anyway he's not participating yeah pulls out the tokyo olympics over um 
concerns with his knee injury, um, just probably giving himself more time um, in that regard. Uh, so he won't be in Tokyo, and this was, I think, his last chance to to play in the Olympics here. Because if we fast forward three years in the future, Federer is going to be, what, 42, 43 at this point. I think we are dealing with his last couple of years on tour here. And by far, he's he's already shifted to a very limited schedule due to his um, his knee injuries, his surgeries, and all that. So when is the next time I expect to see Federer on the court? I Just because of his past history and success with the tournament, I think Cincinnati may be a good place to, to, to play it because that will be... I don't know if that's still scheduled a week before, like the week just before the U.S. Open starts, or if they moved it back a, another week. So there's kind of a week off in between. But um, I expect Federer to play in Cincinnati at the Western and Southern because he's won that event seven times. And so I think that would be good because he's able to uh, kind of get off the cobwebs again, um, get used to the hardcore surface, and, and, and get and get kind of ready for the U.S. Open. Because if um, he goes right into the U.S. Open, that that could be kind of concerning, especially if he does draw a tough uh, first-round opponent. Who, because you do have those, the unseated players are basically the 33rd through uh, 128th best player. So Federer seated 10th. It's not like he's playing the 120th best player it's not that's not how it works in tennis draws so he could very well go up against a player who's ranked like 36 37th in the world and it's it's a super tough opponent um so i would think federer would want to go play at cincinnati like i said get the cobwebs off and then be ready to go for the u.s open for a major tournament and, and see what he can do there um but yeah it's just the message that i think i've said once before on the podcast a couple months ago a few months ago basically just to enjoy roger federer and in fact enjoy serena williams because serena williams went out with the ankle injury and after six games in in at wimbledon um so for both of those players roger federer serena williams enjoy it while you can if you have an opportunity to see the matches on TV, um, and especially at the U.S. Open, when that's going to be on ESPN, uh, really try to make the effort to see it because I'm not sure how long um, those two players are going to end up or, or how frequent they're going to end up being on court, um, and especially with Roger Federer at this point um, as, he, as he's dealing with um, these knee concerns. Um, so, yeah, enjoy it while you can.